everybody. Mark uh, started a theme here that we are not necessarily planning on. Uh, where do we hear God the most? Or in what context do we hear God most clearly? And for me, I would say when I'm chewing on a chunk of God's Word, when I am meditating, when I am ruminating on uh, a chunk of God's Word, and this morning we're going to get into that eventually, um, feel free to turn to Jonah chapter 4. Oddly enough, um, it's, and I'd almost say it's classic, that uh, cartoon about Jonah um, only covered three quarters of the book of Jonah. There is a fourth chapter, and it's not in our common retelling of the story of Jonah. So we're going to look at that uh, this morning and some of the stuff God has um, been working on my heart through that, and I trust that uh, it'll impact your guys' hearts as well. Um, Before we get into Jonah, I wanted to just bring greetings from all of us at Ethnos. Um, We do value, we do appreciate, we are grateful for your prayers and for your financial generosity as well. Um, You guys enable us to do our ministry. There are some families here, some faces that I'm not familiar with. Um, so I'll just give a little bit of a, uh, info on the ministry that we're with. Ethnos does church planting amongst unreached people groups. And uh, it can be in some of the most remote places where you're helicoptering your groceries in and out. Um, and if you have to go out for a doctor's appointment, you've got to call the helicopter. Um, linguistically challenging. These are the last places to get the gospel um, because they are the hardest places to bring the gospel. And so linguistically, um, just very challenging context. That's the ministry that we're involved in. Um, already this morning, a number of you have asked how my wife's sister Krista and her family are doing. Um, some context, a couple of years ago, when they were missionaries in Tanzania in Southeast Africa, um, she was medevaced home um, with a tumor in her head, and by the grace of God, they were able to remove that. Um, she did go through cancer treatment, and so far, um, she is in really good health. And so they continue to monitor, um, but she's in good enough health. They've moved to Papua New Guinea to be a part of the work there political situation in Tanzania does not allow them to go back there for the time being. But their trip to PNG, to Papua New Guinea, this last month was not an easy one. I dropped them off at the airport the end of June, and they flew halfway around the globe. And then we're told, no, you don't have tickets for the rest of the flight. Someone in Singapore canceled them. You're on your next flight back to Canada. So 50-some hours later, I'm picking them up at Pearson, and they get to do 14 days of quarantine. And then I took them back to the airport, dropped them off, and they checked their baggage. And I'm partway home, and they give me a call and say, Jason, you better turn around. Come pick us up. Our flights through Hong Kong have been canceled now. Thankfully, they didn't get on the plane on attempt number two. And then Angie took them a week later, and it worked. They're in PNG. Uh, Initially, they were told that they would be doing 21 days of quarantine. um, But for whatever reason, uh, they were exempted on day eight. And they were able to have the kids start school with their classmates a couple weeks ago now. Um, So that's just a little update on that family. Um, There's lots of other things going on. Um, So if you think of it, if your heart is in Africa, uh, there's a people group in West Africa, the Way people. And they are hearing the chronological Bible teaching right now. That ethnic group is getting the, the gospel for the first time. So be praying for the Way people of West Africa. 
Bible translation is a big part of what our ministry does. And the PRO people of Venezuela are getting, going to be getting the New Testament in their language. Uh, I just got an update from the translator, Tim, and uh, he just sent, I think, or is going to be sending the final portions um, that he looked over the typesetting to the, a printer in Colombia to print the New Testaments for the people of the Piaroa um, tribe there in Venezuela. So we'll be praying for them. Um, that milestone of getting the New Testament and Old Testament portions in their heart language. Students is another big thing that we do as an organization. Training families, training singles to do this cross-cultural church planting. A year ago, we had around 14 uh, different ones move from across Canada and across the U.S. in the midst of the limitations of last August, uh, move to Durham and begin their missionary training. They will graduate in December. Um, so there's 14 that have arrived back this last week. A number of those families are interested in being a team to the Inuit in northern Canada. So you'll be praying for those graduates and their next milestones of raising support um, and then finding housing um, up in the Arctic in Nunavut. And so those are some of those next milestones for them. So not only do we have 14 students returning, we have 16 on the incoming class. Um, one of them is coming from the UK, a bunch from the US, from across Canada again. So we are super excited how God is raising up people willing to give their lives to bring in the gospel to where it has not been yet. Um, Thank you guys for praying for us um, as we work in the home office, uh, myself with the media end of things um, and leadership, and then Angie's taking on additional responsibilities um, this last year um, in our K-12 through program for the children of the staff and the students. Um, so she's still teaching some of the high school math courses, um, but now overseeing everything else administrative um, with our little Christian school there. So Jonah... What did he say to God when God asked him, what are you doing? Just think, Jonah's in the belly of the whale. And he prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So that's what we think the book of Jonah is about. A man being swallowed up by a whale and surviving that ordeal. And, and that's pretty much what we can remember. But there is much more to this story. Um, we think we're familiar, but I don't think that we're actually familiar with what this book is about. As that cartoon clip earlier um, helped me to illustrate, we only remember three chapters worth of the book of Jonah. So this morning I want us to have our thinking adjusted. And as I've been pondering and poring over these four chapters, I've realized that there's at least three things that I had wrong that I thought the book was about X, but it's actually about Y. So we're going to be going over that, um, mostly in chapter 4. But before we get there, um, we see that Jonah had to repent um, in part of his journey um, and do a 180. Um, and so the first thing that the book of Jonah is about for me is that it's not about a man being swallowed up by a whale, but an entire city, the city of of Nineveh not being swallowed up by God's wrath. So what's the greater miracle? You know, we would say, what's, what's the miracle in the book of Jonah? Well, a man being swallowed by fish and living to tell about it. Um, but I want to say the first thing that I got wrong or that I think my thinking has been adjusted on 
Jonah, the book, is more about a whole city coming to repentance, doing that 180 and, and no longer living in the ways that they once lived. And then we've got just Jonah character and, and how he wrestled with that. And that's what we'll get into in Jonah chapter 4. Um, while chapter 3 is about God revealing himself to the people of Nineveh, chapter 4 is about God revealing himself to Jonah in a very unique um, and just in a way that resonated with me and some of the struggles that I've had in my heart. And so while Jonah's having a pity party and waiting for God to destroy the city of Nineveh, God sends a plant to shade Jonah. And then God sends a worm and kills the plant. And then God sends a violent, a violent wind to make Jonah miserable. And the punchline at the end of chapter 4, and we'll get there, God says to Jonah, you care more about your creature comforts than about the eternal state of the people of this great city. So what was more of a miracle? Jonah surviving being in the great fish three days and three nights? Or that whole city turning and repenting? And, 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 and again, we'll get into chapter 4. Chapter um, Jonah's just got some priorities, some thinking out of sync with God's. And we can be there too. Imagine that you were Jonah. And God sent you to be a missionary, to preach a message of repentance to a city full of people, but not just any people. The city that God had Jonah go to was a city of people, the Assyrians, and they were brutal people. They were enemies of the Jews. Um, and so I can sympathize with Jonah, going, you want me to go to those people And I know for me, I would actually fear for my life if God sent me to a people known for their brutality, um, their hatred towards my ethnic group if I was a Jew. And yet, God says, go. Um, the entire city did repent. Um, and it, it was incredible. So that was the one thing. The second thing this morning... Um, that I had to get my thinking straight on, or that I thought was unique, was here, thing two. Uh, Jonah is not about a prophecy, but about the prophet who delivered it. It's not about the, pro um, yeah, which is unusual. Most of the minor prophets in the Old Testament are really about the prophecy. And yet we have in Jonah eight words in the English translation that I've got. Um, only eight words. Yet forty days and you shall be overthrown. That's the extent of the prophecy in this minor prophet. And so it's not about the message that God was bringing primarily, but about the messenger. So this springboards into our third thing that we're looking at this morning. This is where I want to spend our time is in, in Jonah chapter 4. The book of Jonah is not about the outward appearance of a man, but about the inward condition of the man, of his heart. This is an element of the story that um, I wasn't planning on finding. Um, so let's, let's read Jonah chapter 4, because then I want us to go over to Matthew 12, and we'll, we'll take this side trail around what I thought I was going to be sharing about as we look at this. 
So Jonah chapter 4, backing up one verse, um, so we kind of get a little bit of context. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10. God saw the works of the Ninevites, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So what was Jonah's response? It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might bring shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned and the day uh, and the next day God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened that the sun arose, and God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You have pity on this plant for which you did not labor, nor made it grow. It came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot even discern their right hand from their left and much livestock? Let's just pray. Father, we do ask that you would... Give us help this morning as we listen for your voice, as we wrestle with these words that you spoke to Jonah and this morning are speaking to us. Father, help us to hear from you, not from this morning's speaker, from me. Lord, give us this help, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. What would you look like if you came out of the belly of the whale? I asked a friend of mine that farms trout near Durham, do do fish have stomach acid? Does the contents of a fish's belly break down the contents? He said, yes, if you've got a big fish and it swallows a small fish, and then you catch the big fish and you gut it and you find the small fish, it's missing its scales if it's just been a couple days. Yes, things do get digested inside the belly of a great fish. So I'm picturing Jonah coming out after three days, potentially bleached white. All his hair has been eaten off of him. He might even look like he's had flesh-eating disease. And so he walks over to the city 
of Nineveh. And then he spends three days walking across the city of Nineveh. Quite a spectacle. So turn with me. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And there is in these verses and again in Luke 11... Um, some information that we don't have in the book of Jonah. Christ himself helps us understand the point of the book of Jonah. Um, Some context, we've got Jesus doing a miracle on the Sabbath. How dare he work on the day of rest? And then not only did the Jews get him in trouble for that, but they accused Jesus of doing something by the power of Satan, Beelzebub. And so it's on the heels of this that the Jewish leaders ask Jesus for a sign. And so Jesus answers them in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38. 38 through 41, Jesus is answering this question. Um, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Well, he just did a miracle. He got in trouble for it. So it's just interesting. So Jesus answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Skipping down to verse 42. The Queen of the South. Well, actually, let's read verse 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Jonah was made a sign for the people of Nineveh. And we actually see in in Luke 11 that he became a sign. So I was pondering this. What about Jonah made him a sign. And I was thinking that I would be sharing how his physical appearance and how our physical appearance, how we walk around and and do life, that that would be a sign for our generation much as Jonah was for his. And yet the Word of God does not say that it was Jonah's physical appearance that made him a sign. But the Word of God in in Jonah chapter 4 does say a lot about the heart of Jonah. And I believe that that's what God would want me to learn in my life and all of us. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What about Jonah helped the Ninevites hear that message and repent? Isaiah 52 and verse 14 um, reads this way in the NIV. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred than any human likeness. So this is a quote from an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus, how Jesus' body was going to one day, or the Messiah's body, and we know that's fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. His, His body was going to be beaten beyond human likeness. Can you imagine being so stressed that you sweat great drops of blood? And before you had a chance to clean that up, that blood cakes onto your skin. And then you get arrested. And then you're beaten within an inch of your life. And then you're carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem. The physical appearance of Jesus. Interesting. 
And yet scripture does not draw that parallel. That Jonah's physical appearance, him being a spectacle, was like Christ. As Jonah walked through the city of Nineveh, Christ walked through the city of, of Jerusalem. That's not what scripture pulled out as, as, or the spirit showed me as I was meditating on these things. So we got 1 Samuel verse six, or chapter 16 and verse 7. The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God had made Jonah into a sign for Nineveh. But then God wanted to do a work in Jonah's heart and made Nineveh a sign for Jonah. And so we'll get into this as, as we get into this chapter. I thought that Jonah ran away from this mission because he feared for his life. That he was sure he was going to be murdered when he went to Nineveh. And yet scripture gives another uh, contrast here. And Jonah says, I knew you were going to be compassionate. I knew you were going to be merciful. And that you were not going to wipe Nineveh off the face of the planet. I didn't want any part of your re redemption plan for this nation. So that's why I went to Tarshish. We don't hear that as we, this story. God is a merciful God. And Jonah knew it. Now, if, if I was Jonah, and I had just gone through the city of Nineveh, and only three days into my ministry, where I'm repeating eight words, he probably said more, but we've got eight words in the, in the text. And the whole city repents. I don't think I would be angry. I don't think that I would be um, depressed. I know my heart, and some of you guys know me too. I might actually be a little bit, my head would grow. Look at what God did through me. A whole city, a, such a successful ministry. And yet that's not the emotions and the struggle that Jonah had. Jonah struggled with anger and with depression, not getting a big head. He had a pity party. He had anger. Um, all of these things. I get, what's going on in Jonah's heart? Even in this crazy moment, God was with Jonah. God was caring for Jonah. Sometimes you can look at him going, but is he? You know, yes, he, he sent that shade for Jonah, but then he sent a worm. And then he sent this vehement wind. So we've got these four things that, that God sent through this book of Jonah. First, he sent this fish to swallow Jonah, an act of mercy, yes. And then he sent this plant to shade Jonah, an act of mercy, yes. But then he sent a worm to get rid of the shade. And if that wasn't bad enough, the scorching sun and this miserable wind, what is God doing? God had obeyed, yes, after a false start. He had done what God wanted him to do. The whole city repents. Isn't life supposed to get easier when we're on track with God? But Jonah had a heart issue. And sometimes we have heart issues. Sometimes God needs to get our attention. And I think that's what God was doing here, was getting Jonah's attention and using that city of Nineveh as an object lesson for Jonah. You care more about your creature comforts than the eternal state of all of those people in that city 
who don't know me. God was getting Jonah's attention. Let's not think about this context for a minute. Um, Forget that Jonah has tried to do his own thing and, and gotten angry when God showed up. Forget about all of the wrong that behaviors and all of this that, that this is Jonah's situation. In your day-to-day life, in my day-to-day life, in those moments when things are not going well, not going as you expected, as I expected, I just want God to sit down next to me and ask me, how can I fix this? Because I can tell him. I, I know what, what's wrong. I think I know what's wrong. But God doesn't work that way. He doesn't show up and ask us how we should fix things. Jonah thought he knew what should happen. Sometimes we think what we want. We can have the wrong perspective. How he was thinking about the situation, Nineveh and his enemies and what what they deserved... Um, what they should have come to them, that was Jonah's motive, his thoughts. And, and yet it wasn't God's. Um, his situation led him to have this bad attitude, a, a wrong attitude. Um, and it led him to go in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go, on a boat in the opposite direction rather than over land towards Nineveh. Our thoughts also inform our actions and our attitudes, and our attitudes inform our actions. So Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, these came to mind as I was meditating on this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There on the eastern side of the city, God was trying to get Jonah's attention. He was trying to show Jonah that while Jonah was concerned about his happiness, his comfort, God was concerned about Jonah's holiness. So I get to ask myself this question. I get to ask you guys this question. Are you more concerned about your happiness than about your holiness? Do you know what makes me happy? When people don't upset my happiness, when things go well, when things go according to my plan, when things run smoothly, I'm content. And when they're not, my temperament, my personality loves to get in there and fix it. And I struggle to sit on the sidelines when I see something that isn't running quite right. No matter how small the issue can be for me, It's a matter of injustice. And I'm very willing to get into those difficult situations to bring about the change that I think needs to happen. And as I read and reread this book of Jonah, it has almost been like I'm the one sitting there on the hill overlooking Nineveh, waiting for God still to destroy them, even though they've repented. Overlooking that city full of problems. And I've got ideas on how to solve those problems. And God has spoken to me. And I've heard him saying, Before I can use you, Jason, to bring change in this world, I need to bring change in you. 
God was unwilling to let Jonah live with bitterness and anger in his heart, a heart that was bent, that is bent out of shape. That matters to God. And God pursued Jonah. God did what he needed to do to get Jonah's attention. And when he got Jonah's attention, what did he say? Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? Is it right for you to be angry even to wish death on yourself? You've had pity on this plant. And yet my heart breaks for the whole city of Nineveh. God was more, con- or Jonah was more concerned about his creature comforts than the souls of all of these men, women, and children who are going to a Christless eternity. Do you realize that one third of this planet today has no access to the gospel? One third out of the people on this planet today cannot hear the gospel on the radio. There are no churches in their community. There are no believers in their neighborhoods. It is going to take somebody moving incarnationally into their neighborhood in order for them to hear that God loves them so much that he sent his son to die on their behalf. That that rift between God and man, God and them, God has made a way to restore that relationship. We can get our priorities out of whack. Care more about our creature comforts than about the millions of people that are going to a Christless eternity. Romans 10 and verses 14 and 15, very familiar. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring, or who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We can care more about the things that are wrong in our lives out there, and yet God cares about the things that are wrong in our hearts. Yes, God does care about the things that are not working well in our communities, whether that's federally, provincially, locally, our church, our families. All of us know that things are not the way God wants them to be. And yet God said, Jonah, how is your heart? How are you doing at a heart level? Before I can bring change to the people around you, Jonah, I need to bring change to you. I care about your heart. This principle of God not beginning by going to the nations, but by going after the heart of those that he's sending to the nations, is true on every other level of people interactions as well, our marriages. If you want to see change in your marriage, God wants to see change in your heart. Our families, teams at work, local churches, we want to see things improved. And God wants to see that too. He wants to start with our hearts. He wants to bring us to our knees because there he can bring change in us so that then he can bring change through us. 
He wants us to die to self. And in that, greater usefulness is through greater helplessness. Um, It is only when we die to self that Christ can be made manifest, revealed to the nations. So three different things that I had my thinking adjusted about as I was looking at the book of Jonah. It's not primarily about a man being swallowed up by a fish, but about an entire city being spared from being swallowed up by God's wrath. It wasn't about the message per se that Jonah brought, but about the man that brought it. It wasn't about the prophecy, but about the prophet. And what was it about that prophet? What was so spectacular about him? Scripture says that God cared about Jonah's heart. It wasn't Jonah's outward appearance. The Word of God has a lot to say about, but the Word of God says a lot about the condition of Jonah's heart. And before God can bring salvation to the nations through us, he desires to bring salvation to us, not just from the penalty 